use those critical thinking skills. Welcome to Medically Unbiased. Hello and welcome to another random episode of Medically Unbiased. This is Tyler. And I have a friend here today, my friend Tracy. Say hi, Tracy. Hello. All right. So she's never been on the podcast before, and that's probably... call me out like that? Well, because, you know, I thought I'd call you out like that. I don't know. It's It's not a good start. Start over. Start over. Game. Pause. Rewind. Delete. (laughs) Look, all both of my listeners are fucking going to pay attention to this, and they're going to be really upset. Okay. They deserve a a redo. I know. They probably... No, I think this is fine. We'll just keep going. Okay. It gives more, it lends to more authenticity to the BS that we're going to spew here in just a moment. Yeah. So I was, I'm now a nurse practitioner and have been for a while. You're a nurse at the bedside. You've been an ER nurse. You've been. Med surgeon nurse. Med surgeon nurse. Interventional radiology. Done it all. Now outpatient interventional radiology. Nice. I like it. So the, you want to go to NP school. Yep. Got accepted and everything. I like it. So what do you what do you want to do with your life when you're done with NP school? Now that you've kind of done all the nur- So for people who don't know, once you're a nurse, we all go to nursing school and we all go to kind of the similar school whether it's bachelor's or associate's degree. I don't truly believe there's a big difference between those schools because the bachelor's degree program is more paperwork writing, but I think the difference is the like a set. leadership class or something. Right. It's you like know, a it's class like or two. Yeah. Correct. But it's all paperwork. It's yeah. not tangible, physical, it tactical teach you how to skills. Be a nurse. Yeah. No, there's no, there's no, how do you use a syringe? Like a bachelor's degree no. nurse can't use a syringe better than a No, you definitely can't start nurse. IVs better either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm just saying that for the people who aren't medical that listen to this show, for the one or two of you that aren't, when you listen or when you become a nurse, you I call that the center of a bicycle wheel. Think of the hub. So you go to school and you become a nurse. And then the spoke or the tire, you follow a spoke and you maybe you go into gastroenterology and you're a nurse for a doctor's office. Or maybe you're a nurse at a cardiologist's office. Or maybe you're not at an office. Maybe you're in an acute care facility, a hospital. You know, maybe it's a level one trauma center and an ER like you've been. Or maybe it's outpatient <laughs> radiology. I'm just saying... You're a nurse, but you can move up and down the spokes from that outer rim where you're working. But when you become a nurse practitioner, you're jumping off that wheel and you're going to kind of a, you're utilizing the knowledge you had there, but you're going to a completely different position. So now you're not doing the day to day caring for the patient. You're Tasks, now, yeah. correct, you're not tasking because some, you know, what do we say RN stands for? Refreshments and narcotics. That's right. So, Refreshments and narcotics. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so now you're going to go to NP school and you're going to want to actually be treating patients. Right. But what kind of patients are you going to want to see? Like super sick patients or like not so sick patients that are just, hey, how you doing? I need my yeah, drugs. Yeah, the not so sick patients. Um, I've you don't want to do sick patients? Okay. Yeah, a psychiatric NP. That's Oh, nice. That's the goal. That's yep. the goal. Exactly. Telehealth all the way. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't really want to admit what I actually yeah, no, want to do. No, that's cool. I like it because, you know, I no, think... to be honest, I really do want to help. I want to help people. And I think my main passion is mental health. Right. And so if I can do that as a nurse practitioner, I think that would be, you know, the ultimate goal, oh. you know. No, that's cool. It's just funny to listen to people's perceptions of where they want to go or what they want to do. Because when you're, in, for people who don't know, when you're a new nurse or when you go to nursing school... Fifty percent of the girls in the class, and I'm I'm the like one of ten percent. There's not a lot of guys in the medical per- 
in the nursing profession. Seriously? That's what I've heard. Heard a rumor. Not a lot of nurses. Not not a lot of nurses. That's what I heard. Yeah, because we can lift heavy shit. I know all patients are heavy. That and you're not a lot of drama. No drama. Right. No No drama. If we don't like you, we'll just tell you we don't like you. And then they'll cry and then we'll get called into the office. But anyway, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other podcast. Never happened. (laughs) Never happened to me twice or 75 times. No, (laughs) it's never happened again. (laughs) Never, never since the last time. (laughs) Never say never. (laughs) Never say never. That's true. I might have just jinxed myself. But (laughs) the point of this is that when you go to nursing school, 50% 50% of the women in the class are like, I want to deliver babies and I want to, I want, you know, and most of them will never work in that, in that area of nursing. And I think a lot of times you find an area of nursing that isn't necessarily what you thought it was going to be. And you find that it's way more fun or. Oh yeah, totally. I never thought that I would be an interventional radiologist. I didn't even know what it was, but I actually really like it. Yeah. That's so, what I mean. So you get into something. Did you ever think you'd be a cardio NP? Yeah, you... sad to say, yeah, I did. Okay, yeah, you're right because you started out in cath lab and. Well, I never did cath, but I did. So I did EKG before yeah. I was a nurse. I did EKGs at the in the hospital. So in the R hospital that I worked in, if someone had chest pain, a lot of times now respiratory therapy does EKG. Yep. They've converted because they've got rid of the position that I had at the time right. to save money. Right, so. Oh, when you're talking, close this up to the mic because we can, we can hear you. Otherwise, it sounds like you're far away from it. It's the Joe Rogan thing. Maybe you, I am far away. Maybe you are. Just kidding. I'm close. <laughs> That's creepy <laughs> as fuck. But it's right. So anyway, I did EKGs and I knew right away that's where my brain, like that's where my brain fits. So I tried to explain to someone the other day, orthopedic physicians and people who do orthopedics are generally like the jocks of the medical industry they're like totally the cavemen kind of stuff and nothing against them they're smart people they do a lot of cool shit but they're like we use tools to break bone and <laughs> screws and bolts ah. you know it's very manly cavemen kind of cardiologists are like yeah hey, we're electricians and plumbers you know right. we'll we'll fix the plumbing shock your heart we'll do some electrical activity we'll fix the wiring oh man i can't wait to hear the metaphor for the psychiatry people i don't know that i have them like the neurology i would say is kind of computer programming sure like did you shut it off and on again you know did you just wait tpas for yeah right (laughs) just wait a little bit it'll come back on it's fine it just needs to reboot it just takes a while and it's so far it's out of the box for me i'm not a neuro guy i'm not a fan that's not my my cup of tea and then nephrology or kidneys like that's the scientists. They're like, okay, we're going to diffuse across the membrane some oh, fluids, and I'm going to give you this nope. much. Yeah, dialysis. Hashtag nope. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> not happening. So Hashtag I'm not the one. I think <laughs> I think my problem with, not problem with psychiatry, but my analysis of psychiatry would be that if I went into psychiatric nursing, it would be hard to differentiate between me and the patient. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> because when I went, well, there was I a can't co- wait to psychoanalyze you. It'd be so fun. Yeah. So there was a course <laughs> when I went to nursing school that they, when we went and did, you know, psych, a psych rotation. And I swear to God, I was told if you weren't in that ugly school shirt, we would not know if you were a patient or not. Like, I wouldn't have had a room, but I got into Why did it. they say that? Like, because I would sit with the patients and I wouldn't, I wouldn't 
uh, orient them to rational time. I would listen to their story and I'd get involved. And then involved. you just go with it. I would totally But sometimes you go have with to, it. right? To gain their trust and everything. Yeah. So maybe you were just ahead of your time. Or behind. One of the two. <laughs> or you're just fucking nuts. I, I don't know. That's probably it. Yeah. I But people would talk TV. about totally weird stuff. Like the patients would be way out of the box about oh, yeah. things. Talking about like how, you know, in the ER, the psych area, like Trump is God and oh, right. all these like crazy delusions. Yeah. Yeah. It I did that with my regular patients already. So if I had regular <laughs> patients and they came to see me, they would, especially it was during uh, the last election. So Biden, Trump, you know, and there were, I had patients on very opinionated on both sides of that. So at the top, I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before, at the top of my charting system where I worked, we had this little purple box or green box and you could type in and only providers could see it. So techs, nurses, the front desk, nobody could see what was in that box. It was messaging for providers. And I would put, you know, their, who they were voting for because they would tell me. So that when I saw that, yeah, 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 yeah. So when I saw the patient, I would be like, can you believe what Trump said? If they were Biden supporter, like, oh my God, he's such an asshole. And like, we were best buddies. friends with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I gained, I gained their, you know, uh, not control them, but I gained their ability to believe in me. You related to them. Correct. And, and because anytime you interview or work with a physician or a nurse practitioner, it's like dating. It's really annoying, actually. I would say so. And then I'm going, I'm like speed dating. (laughs) I'm going on a date every 15 minutes. Right. Four four dates. I'm a hustler. Four dates an hour. You know, how fast you move. Actually, it's bad. It's actually not good. (laughs) It's illegal (laughs) in some states. Yeah, it's lucrative though. (laughs) It can be. Yeah, but I would do that just so I could get a better uh, sense of who they were and where they're coming from, and it allowed me to relate to them because I was kind of a chameleon. Hmm. People didn't really know if I was Republican or Democrat. And that's why I kind of started the podcast and became medically unbiased because there's a lot of things I'm very right wing on and there's a lot of things I'm very left wing on. Yeah. Like I would How say, you, say you always say you're socially liberal. Yeah, I'm very right? socially liberal. Right. Like gays Which can is marry. That's why we get along. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I you're told it. I know. I love it. <laughs> so, cute. so yeah, we'll see. I think gay people should be able to marry because if, if straight people want, there's a comedian who said, if straight people want to get married and be miserable, why the fuck are we limiting gay people from getting married and be miserable? Oh, trust me, we have that capability 100%, but (laughs) (laughs) trust me. (laughs) Right. So, I don't know, I just think it's funny. thank you for the support. Absolutely. But I also want to be fiscally conservative. Like, I don't think everyone should just get money because, well, you can't make money. Just because. Right. So. That's for another day. Correct. I'm just, I'm in the the middle of the road, I think, (laughs) politically. There's things I'm very right wing on and things I'm very left wing on. And so, it puts me in a conundrum and it's not like you're neutral really no i'm very opinionated i mean you're you're very opinionated yeah but the swings are wide (laughs) it's like and there's and it's not like i'm i'm not what's his name on fox the crazy dude there's not there's a guy who's crazy anyway sean hannity's his name He's crazy. So you're politically bipolar. <laughs> I've just diagnosed you. I've just made my first diagnosis. That's, that's awesome. Politically yeah. bipolar. There's no meds for I'm gonna that. Be a great psych MP. <laughs> you're gonna be a great psych MP. Next. <laughs> check, Moving on. Check. Did my 15 minutes. I'm check. hustling. I know, right? Yeah. I'll be, the hundred bucks is in the mail. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> it's 200 actually. Oh, shit! That office. That, that office yeah, visit is expensive. Minutes. 
That's a, that's an expensive office visit. Yeah, yeah, it is. Just saying. Well, Medi- Telehealth too. Med- you don't Medicare, even get to meet me in person. Doesn't Medicare pay for that? I'm just kidding. Absolutely not. not. <laughs> no, that's true. cash pay. Oh man, hundred percent. MDVIP style me. here. I know, right? I totally get. <laughs> so one thing I wanted to find out from you is when it comes to medicine, as a provider, you're going to be. If you go in cash, it's a little different, I guess. The argument doesn't exist. But for me, I bill insurance companies when I see patients, right? And I have this belief that we're in the wrong payment structure. So yep. currently, it's the pay. It's not pay for performance. It's pay for quantity. I get so paid. So per patient? Yeah, I get paid per patient. Okay. So whether I'm a good NP or a bad NP, I get paid. Right. Wow. Whether you're a good doctor or a bad doctor, you saw the patient, you bill for the fucking time you saw the patient. So how does that work? Because I've heard that they um, reimburse based on like patient experience, like, you know, the patient satisfaction score. So how does that work with like so, the quantity? So the patient satisfaction scores doesn't go directly towards me as a provider. It goes towards the hospital as a whole. And now there's people email me. You can email me at info at medicallyunbiased.com. If I'm saying this wrong, please do correct me and I'll fix it. But from my perception and my understanding is that the hospitals themselves get patient scores and that determines how much money they get from the government, mainly from Medicare, Medicaid. So your CMS, your center for Medicaid and Medicare services is who provides most of the dollar today in insurance because you're spending 90% of your insurance dollar at the end of your life. Like the last few years of your life is where you spend most of your money. Right. And Who's paying for that? Medicare, Medicaid. So they're determining these facilities, if they do a good job, they get more funds. Now, if you got a facility that's got really low patient satisfaction scores, which is a stupid thing to do because I'm not there to satisfy the patient. I'm sorry, I'm not. So it's not my job. You're not sorry. Nah, I'm I'm sorry that I say it in such a <laughs> manner and very direct way, but I'm not sorry about that comment because okay. I think it's very true. Fair. So I'm not there to make the patient feel better when it comes to their bad decision. Like I'm not there to allow them to make bad decisions and they're like You're not there to validate them. No, no, not based at all. On their 40 years of smoking and eating like shit. Correct. Basically. Or you've got, you know, what if I tell a patient, "Look, you have COPD cuz you smoked two packs of Marble Reds every day since you were 15 and you're now 65." And they're pissed. And they're mad cuz I gave them this diagnosis so they write a negative score. Well, this guy was a jerk. That's stupid. You're not this isn't the fucking Holiday Inn, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> this isn't the Ritz-Carlton. You're not here to get you're here to get answers. And sometimes those answers are ugly. They suck. They're not fun. Right. And it's not always great to have to give someone bad news. And I don't always have to give bad news. There are some times where I'm like, hey, we get to take you off this medication because I'm putting you on two more. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> not- good news. You just got to spin it in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, this is great news. We're getting you off the expensive med because we're going to give you two cheaper two ones. Two is better than one. <laughs> right. We're going to double up. a little up. Taylor Swift there. I like it. So we're gonna, I didn't even know who that was. That's hilarious. So, What'd ta- you just say? Taylor Swift? Who's that? I don't even know who that is. All right, guys, I'm signing off. Uh, <laughs> gotta go. Who the fuck? Taylor? I don't know. Oh, that's uh, some blondie chick. I know who you're talking about now. Oh my gosh, only the greatest artist of all time. Oh my god, it's so deep in here. I, <laughs> I didn't bring my hip waiters. You me on your podcast. You me either. This is this is bad. We might have to end this early. This is not good. Signing We're 15 off. minutes in, yeah. and everyone's like, "Fuck this! I'm turning this off." <laughs> She's not credible. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Yeah, she's not credible. She knows who Taylor Swift is.
So back to the pay for performance model. I think it should be for performance. If I provide quality care to my patient, I should get more money than the person who just sees them. Okay, so who measures quality and what scale are you using to measure quality? That's a good question. So when it comes to does my patient have a well-controlled blood pressure? I'm cardiology, so that's what I worry about is blood pressure, heart failure, heart disease, cardiovascular disease. Have they been readmitted for their heart failure? That's a good measure. If they're seeing me regularly in an office, right? Now, there's, there's mitigating factors. Don't get me wrong. There's things that are out of my control. One is, does the patient take their meds as prescribed, right? But guess what? I'm held to that standard too. Oh, I'm also supposed to make sure. So I'm now have supposed to, to hold their hand. I have to drive house to house every right. night. So I don't get home till midnight. It's every horrible. Day, it's a lot night. of work. It's right. a lot of effort. Yeah. Margaret never really takes her meds. Is but what it is. No, I don't. Oh, okay. right. I tried. <laughs> I know. I tried to help. I, you I know. Actually, I do care. That's the problem. I care. I know. I know. You care a lot, actually. I I care, but I care. I care about different things than the general consensus and storyline is caring. So it's almost like when you ask a new nurse that you're hiring in a facility, you're like, why did you become a nurse? Every freaking one of them has this same annoying story. Right. My grandma was sick and this young woman took care of her and I wanted to be just shut up. That didn't happen. Shut up. I'm like, I will. Shut up. Yeah, shut. I'll take shit that didn't happen for a thousand, Alex. That's what I say. (laughs) Okay. This is fucking double jeopardy. We're all the rounds. That's the saddest story I can possibly come up with to pull at your heartstrings. So you give me this job. low-paying shit job <laughs> that I'm going to work for I'm gonna two work, years. And I'm going to bust my butt to for get my experience. Well, and go where I actually want to go. <laughs> that's Literally, the point. like how many of us have that trajectory? I'm raising my hand. Most, yeah. most everyone did. Right. right. We've all started somewhere, and then there's no retention. Definitely uh, not. And people have left. No. So when it comes to paper for performance, there are metrics that need to be measured. But then the counter to that is how do you delete the stuff that I can't affect, right? So I've... What's your ex- idea? I, I don't know that I have an answer. Mm-hmm. I just have options and questions. And I think that until we implement a, somewhat of a pay scale like that, is not going to change. Right. Because what happens now is think about... If you're a patient, because we're both patients as much as we're providers or nurses, we've been patients. How long does your doctor spend with you in the office? Five, ten minutes? Maybe ten minutes. My primary, maybe 15. Okay. So can you really get from the provider's side of this now, thinking as someone who's going to assess a patient, can you really get a good date? Are you on a, a good, comprehensive, knowledgeable... Well, how many minutes do you get in speed dating? I've done it one time. I've never done got, it. I'm old. I think old. you got five minutes per person, and then you move on. So no, I mean, even if you're getting 10, 15 minutes, that's definitely not an accurate assessment because you not only have to do your physical assessment, but you also have to talk to them about you know their concerns, their subjective findings, things like that. So no, right. even the 15 minutes that I'm granted with my primary... Um, no, of course it's not enough. So even on a first visit, let's say a first visit for me, a first visit was 30, like a hospital follow-up was 30 minutes. Okay. Well, that's how much time I had with the patient. What nobody understands is I spent at least that much time, if not more before I even saw the patient reading through the entirety of the hospital chart. Right. So I've invested over an hour into this patient 
I get the same money. I get a little more money if it's a hospital follow-up. So I get more money for hospital follow-up than I would for a regular office visit patient. I bill differently. I don't even know what the numbers are, but I know it's more money. But I have to do a lot of research to understand what's going on with this patient. Why were they in the hospital? What caused it? What was happening? Why are they coming to see me after the hospital? If it's not a patient that I've already seen. You have to get the full story before you even walk in that room. Correct. Because if I don't, I won't get the full story. Patients cannot give you the full story. Nope. And it'll be the most... We spend a lot of time, at least once you're a nurse... Nurse practitioner school doesn't teach this. It should. It doesn't. I've advocated for it. I've advocated it in forums on Facebook and Twitter. I've talked to other providers. I've talked to schools. They still don't do it. And it's not just me, but there's other people who advocate for this as well. Providing a comprehensive bedside report. Now, some nurses do it as a nurse to nurse, but nurse practitioners do not learn how to give provider to provider reports. That's different. It's a very different way of giving report. I never even thought of that. I mean, cause you know, we have S bar right. for, you know, the bedside and that's kind of like just a little, you know, transfer nurse to nurse. But yeah, I never really thought about how you guys give, you know, provider to provider report. Like what happens, you know, if you're transferring a patient somewhere, you know, how you have to call the accepting uh, right. provider. Do you, have you ever had to do that or like kind of what's outlined? The, in that? Well, I haven't done that myself, but I've been, I was on rounds when it was happening and I guess the best way to explain it would be as a when I rounded with the residents at UMC. So there's a bunch of R1s and R2s, first and second year uh, students, and they're rounding with like the senior resident, and they're all having and the attending. Excuse oh, me. Okay. Yeah. And so they're all having to give report on these patients. And do you feel like it was comprehensive? I feel like I felt miserably the first day. <laughs> Why? Oh my god, it was horrible because I fell flat on my face in mm-hmm. front of. God and everybody right in front of all the the new doctors. Right. And I'm this knowledgeable nurse that's kind of helped them understand how to do ultrasound guided IVs and do all this cool shit. And then there, the one doc goes, okay, uh, Tyler, give me a report on this patient. And I'm like giving a nursing report. I'm all, okay. and it's very full of feelings, right? Not full of subjective assessment. It's very subjective, yep. not objective. Very. Sure. Yeah. Oh, she doesn't like her, but what well, he goes, he goes, stop, 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 stop <laughs> in front of everybody. He's like, who the fuck taught you how to give a bedside report? <laughs> I'm like, Oh uh, no, nobody. He's like, I obviously, how about you go learn it? And that's all they said to me. And you could hear a fucking pin drop on that floor. Literally in front of the, it was outside the patient's room. There must have been four other physicians, the attending and me. And I felt like an inch tall. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm six foot tall, yeah. 250. And I, he shrunk me to, but I didn't cower. Most people, I think, find that situation to be very offensive. Oh my God, I can't believe he would say that to you. That's so bad. Why would he make you hurt your feelings? Oh, shut up. No, he's trying to teach you something, and the only way you're going to learn is the hard way, unfortunately. Well, yeah, that's how everyone learns. People yeah. don't want to admit it, but that's how you learn. That's how you learn the best. But guess what I did? I came home, and I freaking watched shit ton. There's there's great YouTube videos oh, out yeah. from doctors. And you're not going to fuck it up again. No. No, no, no. <laughs> was never, ever, ever going to be in that position again. Right. But what it did help, not only did it help me with my bedside report, but it helped me with my complete history assessment on a patient so when i write my history i write it like i'm giving it to another doctor okay Interesting. so yeah and you've read a ton of them because you read histories on sure. the patient yeah 
So anyway, when you write, the, it's like 53-year-old female, you know, complained with past medical history of, you know, COPD, heart disease, heart failure, coronary artery disease, aortic valve replacement, mitral valve replacement, you know, blah, 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 blah. You go through the whole system, obese, di- uncontrolled, in insulin-dependent diabetes, type 2, um, came in for shortness of breath, was found to have exacerbation of COPD, was treated and sent to a long-term care facility. We are seeing her for this, whatever reason, right? So if I'm seeing her at the long-term care, that's kind of what my note will say. It'll give a history, give what she was treated for, why she was in the acute care, and why she got transferred to the LTAC. And then your plan. And then later down the line, it'll be my plan. But yeah. that's the initial first part of that because that part tells you a ton. However, if I gave that part to a nurse, they'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you, did you turn the patient? Like, when was their last bowel movement? They'll ask you all this ignorant shit that I yeah. never understood at the time, but I fell into this function of dysfunction, I feel, because that's what it was done. That's what we've done it for 100 years. What's important to nurses and then what's important to providers. So yeah, yeah. how long do you think that took you to switch from kind of the bedside nursing arena and how mm-hmm. you give report to kind of functioning as a provider? Like how long do you think that took you to do it smoothly and fluidly? To where you were like comfortable. comfortable with it, yeah. I would say six months. Wow. Okay. Of because I I was so heavy into critical care. I was ICU, adult ER, and it was always critical care. I never worked anywhere else. Right. It was ICU and a cardiac ICU, and then adult ICU or adult ER. Yeah. So it was fast reports, but it was comprehensive with a lot of data. But it was all nursing based. Right. So now What's I, important to the bedside nurse. And yeah. for the day. Like mm-hmm. because the nurse that was coming in generally had a good idea of what the patient had done because they'd either had the patient before, the night before, or the week before or whatever, right? So you're kind of giving an updated, summarized report. You're not right. giving a comprehensive report. But then the more I rounded with doctors and the more I had to give these reports. I had when I first group I worked for I had ten physicians and I saw all pa- patients from all of them and each one of them wants the report a little different right but you so, also have to be concise because you don't have 50 right. hours in a day to do this correct it's got to be fast direct important absolutely direct about it yeah. so it took me a while to get my i don't know my ability to speak about the patient where i felt comfortable i didn't stumble i wasn't reading it i was just reciting it right. you know memorizing it and it didn't have a lot of the She's very uncomfortable and she lives alone in a single story home. Like fucking right. had none of that. And in I'm it. sure you still care about that. I had the data but, if they asked for it. Right. So what people don't understand is doctors will ask for that, but that's not what they're there for. That's right. not the immediate need. This is, we're fixing an immediate problem. Just like in ER and ICU, you know, right. you kind of have to go from top to bottom. What's most important. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, you do care about their you know, social situation, but you can't really focus on it. That's not going to be your focus. So, you know, as a provider now, what do you think is the most important thing that you're looking for when you walk into a room? Like what is your, what's your first off the bat kind of assessment? Like in triage in the ER, you know, our, our most important assessment is the across the room assessment. I feel like, like still sick or not sick, right? I'm still that way. You're still that way. Okay. I, I assess like an ER nurse assesses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've told people this before. So when a nurse assesses you, if you go to say you're in an emergency room, 
your assessment is in seconds. Yes. It's not minutes. It's not no. an hour. It's within seconds. A, a and you ER don't even nurse have to speak. Correct. An right. ER nurse will make an initial judgment about your your sickness or your worth, whether you're really sick or you're faking it or you're full of shit. And by worth, we mean like where how where do fast you fit do in the scale of needing to get back. treated? Like, do right. I need to? Are do you I dying? Need to get you back right the fuck now, and you're going to die right. in ten minutes, or are you going to sit in my lobby for six hours and be perfectly fine and not because you stubbed from your toe? You walked in. Correct. Right. Like, what's what's the where are you on the scale right. of assessment? ER nurses are amazing and skilled ER nurses are really, I should say skilled ER nurses with experience are amazing at those assessments. Absolutely. Because they've done it so frequently and it's not that they get it right every time. There are, there are things things missed once in a while, but you're going to have some really good home runs every once in a while too. Correct. And then you get a med surgeon nurse who may have more patients, but that assessment is a lot longer. It takes, and they have the time. You know, but, but they're also not it, seeing as sick of me. I know like you don't have any time as a med surgeon, nurse, <laughs> right. but, but it's meds. not like you have 30 patients in the lobby and all of them are waiting to go back. And then you have someone who walks in and wants to be seen and you have to make a split second decision. OK, you have one bed left in the back. Does this person need it? Well, I think it starts. I think it starts from. Well, right. But I think that starts from your milieu your world viewer, your section of the world that you're living in at that time. So an ER nurse, you know that you're not going to see the patient for very long. When I say very long, it's not days. They're going to be in your ER for hours and then go to somewhere else within the facility. When I went to work as an ICU nurse, my worldview was different. Right. I knew the patients and that affected there. Your assessment, really correct? Because I knew the patients was, were going to be there for the I whole day. I need to plan my day. Like, correct. What is going to take the most time? What is what going drugs to be... are they getting? Who am I titrating? Am I trying to get them right. off drugs or am I putting them on new What's drugs? What's the plan for the day rather than the plan for the next hour? Correct. Which is how we function in the ER. Correct. And then, like a, a med surgeon nurse, I can only assume these patients are not acutely ill. They're sick and they still need to be in the hospital, but they're not dying. In seconds, there's not a problem. You hope so. That's the Sometimes goal. they do try. They, they try. They but, do try. Or they do. Some. Some do. But I'm saying the majority of the patients, I would say, are f- you know, not you have healthy. To operate on the potential that everyone could turn on you at any second. Correct. Because they do. They, they absolutely fucking do. And they it's will. Totally scary. But you're right. Most of the time, you know, your worldview is different. You're trying to plan your day when you have seven or eight patients like the Henderson Hospital nurses had. Gee, me, Christmas you know, is insane. I just can't even I fathom. Them. I don't blame them for, for not wanting to clock in. I wouldn't want to either. Oh, yeah. That was all. Eight so patients. I heard the other day, the Henderson Hospital nurses here in town, the, it was the grave shift, right? Graveyard yep. shift, 7A yep. to 7P. The night shift refused to clock in. They said, nope, we're not clocking in because we don't right. have enough nursing staff and it's unsafe and we can't care for these patients. So right. we refuse to put our licenses at risk and Henderson Hospital needs right. to do and something Right, and it's not patient that. abandonment because you did not accept the assignment. Yeah. I, I've mentioned that on the podcast before that Tracy Singh has a really good, uh, she's, she's a nurse practitioner amazing. and a lawyer. Right. And she has a, a blog out about why you don't sign a form. Absolutely. <laughs> Never sign that form because you're just writing on paper that you're admitting to not being able to do your job properly. <laughs> That's what you're doing. It's essentially yeah. what the whole, her whole blog boils down to. You just admitted that you can't do this and right. that you're going to do it anyway. Right. That's she like has saying tons of good insight. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So, so anyway, back the, to the whole billing thing. Yeah. Back full circle long, long from the beginning to get to here, wherever we're at. But the billing part, if we look at, 
if I look at billing as purely time invested, why did what what incentivizes me to be better? Is it purely narcissistic in my own mind that I want to be better, so I want to be a really good nurse practitioner? Is it your conscience? There's a lot of that that drives it. I guarantee that's what drives it for the majority of Of people out there. Yeah, is we want to just provide quality care. We do. We really do. I mean, I don't feel like you can be a nurse or a nurse practitioner or a doctorate nurse or whatever level you're on mm-hmm. and and truly not care about your patients. You know, everybody has their days. Everybody has their days where you're burnt out and you do the minimum. But to be honest, I, I don't really think that you can be a nurse unless you there's some small part of you that really does care. There's, and it, it could be a really small part, right. but it's there's there. It's there. It's there and it's there for every single one of us. But as a provider, so if, if I'm not incentivized for doing better... What's the incentive for doing better for my patient? You ever heard of a uh, quiet quitting? Uh, no. It's a new term. Heard it oh. on TikTok. It's where I, I learn all my information. Oh yeah, TikTok's the best place. Oh, fucking China. Absolutely. Yeah. So mm. quiet quitting is basically going to work, knowing that you're going to do the bare minimum to keep your job, but it's all about self-preservation. So you don't actually quit the job, but in your mind, you're kind of just uh, resigned from it. So I thought about that similar thinking today. I didn't realize there was a term for it, but I was in the parking lot at the grocery store and there's a guy grabbing shopping carts. Now he gets paid by the hour, right? Yep. And the speed in which he picks up those shopping carts is not directly affected by how much he makes. I've heard on TikTok that that is, that has been voted the worst job in America. The The person that goes out and grabs the carts. Because you got to think about it. In a lot of places right now, it's really fucking hot. Um, There's cars everywhere. It's super dangerous. People are getting irritated at you. You know, that has to be the worst job ever. But yeah, what incentivizes that But it's a job. I I don't think that's the worst job ever. I think the people who voted for that have never dug a ditch ever. You think ditch digging is worse than parking lot drama? Well... You want to roll a cart that weighs all of 30 ounces on fucking wheels on a parking lot? With the, the little helper cart at the With back. the driving cart? Yeah, or do exactly. you want, that thing or do you want me to cool. stick a shovel in your hand and you go out and dig a fucking hole? I can't say that I've ever done that, but so I've therefore, also never pushed like 30 carts at once while people no are one's, honking at me and everything else. So I don't know. Yeah, I think one's an emotional problem <laughs> and one's a physical one. What if you want don't to be have a roofer? that little cart that helps about, you, though? How what about you're it, a roofer in Vegas? Be a roofer. I can't be a roofer. And I'm so scared of heights. But I'm just saying. Just, it's yeah. 112 degrees outside. Right? Go go work high steel. Go work in an oil right. field. Just There's a plenty of other shit fucking pushing shopping yeah. carts. These people on TikTok are stupid. I'm just saying. That's <laughs> dumb. That's just idiotic. <laughs> it's your podcast, buddy. You tell them. <laughs> fucking TikTok's stupid. That's just dumb. How's that even rational? You know? The fact that it's the worst job is voted the worst job. Yeah. I would, like, what about the guy that's, you know, working for the Sinaloa cartel making $2 a day? He's Let's talk about the med surge nurse out. at the private hospital that has eight patients in and one night. Listen, there, bucks was an a, hour. there were a couple nights I had eight patients on my floor um, at the hospital that we worked at. And no, it was horrible. No. Yeah. It was so horrible. Wouldn't you rather be pushing a fucking shopping cart? You can't kill anybody with a shopping cart. That I is, mean, you, you know what? You that could. is true. That is probably very low stress compared to. That's my point. Yeah, okay. Okay. I got you. So there's no stress. Fuck TikTok. Fuck TikTok. Honestly. Right. Exactly. Literally. 
So this this dude's pushing these carts, and he's not hustling. Like, there's no hustle in his giddy-up at all. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, here's a cart. Hmm, happens to be on wheels. I guess I'll push it over here. Like, it, there was no... I mean, he might have been resigned. They always do seem very lackadaisical. Right. And so that's my point, is that at what point in time does medicine become that? Because right. I believe that Just part pushing carts I believe that part of the burnout process for providers is because there's no incentive. The incentives to do good don't exist. So if your incentive to make more money is just to fucking work harder, you're not incentivized. You know, they took that incentive away from the ER providers of several years ago. You know, they had the incentives to see more patients. So you'd have, you know, different doctors who would see 20, 22, 24 patients in a shift. Mm -hmm. And then they took that incentive away. And the doctors that were seeing all those patients in a shift, and you know that was the doc that would get shit done for you. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, they're just, yeah, maybe 12, maybe Mm -hmm. 13 if they're really hustling. But yeah, I mean, there is, there's no incentive. None. So again, if there was a pay for performance model in place, not a pay for quantity right now, it's pay for per patient, right? Sure. Well, and here's the other problem is that, so I did my own informal study. I would see a hundred patients and I would try and get all of them onto a diet that consisted of like no carbs or low carbs, whether it be keto or carnivore and try and get them off of their subsistence on processed foods and high carb content diets. To get them off drugs. My goal, my first year as a nurse practitioner, my first year was to get my patients off of blood pressure medications. Love it. Not put them on them. Right. 99 out of 100 patients didn't listen. They wanted the drug. What do you think of that? Well, why am I wasting my time? If they want the drug anyway, just put them on it, right? But, But why am I? But how do you, first of all, how do you parse out who wants it and who doesn't? Did they tell you that? No. They didn't tell me they wanted to be off of it. Yeah. But when I told them what they needed to do to get off of it, they just wanted the drug. They didn't want to do the job. They didn't oh, okay. want to do the work. Right. Is what I They didn't want to out. change their diet. Or exercise. Or stop eating ice cream. Or whatever it was. Or stop smoking. Or anything. It didn't matter what it was. They didn't want to do so what... So they just genuinely said... I don't want to do that. I just want the drug. They pretty much they genuinely yes. just told you that. Yeah, out at How just straight frustrating. Up. Well, so and then I thought, well, there's doctors that only run a practice that you have to pay to get into, is like VIP and concierge docs. Concierge docs. Right. Concierge. My med. cardiologist is a concierge doc. Right. So yeah. you see these patients who want to get better. So now, like my my buddy who runs an air conditioning company, he says, I want to change the name of my company because I'm sick of certain customers they're just annoying goes, i'm going to change the name to second amendment air conditioning he goes because then i'll only get people i want to talk to i'm like that's kind of funny that you would say that because no liberal is going to call second amendment air conditioning of course this guy's your friend actually that's what i'm thinking like this guy's probably your twin uh he actually is my twin he's totally my twin um so yeah it's kind of hilarious yeah so, I don't know. I just find it funny that that's what he had said because it makes total sense to me. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I can totally see, you know, that being the case. If you have a business where people actually want, to, take, for example, you know, my psychiatry nurse practitioner that I see, 
you're not going to go to her when she doesn't take insurance. You're not going to pay $200 for a half hour appointment and $100 mandatory every four weeks to follow up and get your, you know, anti-anxiety or antidepressant meds that you want so that you can get better. You're not going to pay all that out of pocket if you don't want to get better. Right, exactly. So when I'm seeing, when the vast majority of patients you're seeing are Medicaid, Medicare, and they've had chronic disease for years, now all of a sudden you're telling them to do something that's a little different than what everyone else has been telling them to do. And they think, you know, it's hard to change perception, first of all. It takes a while. But now you're, to them, you're a young punk kid, don't know shit from Shinola. You know, you got some 70-year-old person there. What do you know, you little hoodlum? Like, dude, I'm oh, I don't know. Just, you know, went to school for I, this. But yeah, I just read yeah, I guess, all these I guess books I don't know anything, and studied sir. all this stuff and did all these things. and But whatever, it's cool. For nothing, yeah. You, you do you, sir. You do you. You know your body, mm-hmm. sir. Yeah. Google that shit. I bet, it, I bet it'll get you the answer you're looking for. That WebMD is just, you know, so much more knowledgeable right? than me, even though most of those articles are written by nurses. <laughs> right. So I just laugh because I think if we could get a pay for performance as opposed if insurance paid based on performance metrics. And again, I can't give you a schedule on how that lays out. Like what is the measurement of performance? All I can do is suggest options and then it would have to be a cavalcade of nurse practitioners and physicians and PAs getting together to determine what constitutes success. Right. Do you ever have kind of these heart to hearts with your patients and say, look, you know, I I just can't keep adding these medications for you. You know, eventually you're going to have to take charge of your own care. Do you ever? I did initially. I used to. I just don't anymore. I don't. I don't even broach the subject. It's a waste of your time. Absolutely. Wow, that's so sad. How long in have you been a nurse Three years. In three years. Oh, no, it happened. In, it happened in a year. In a year, yeah. The first year it happened. The first year Especially I was done. Especially in some place like cardiology. The, fir- the very first year wow. I was absolutely done. I, now, if a patient asks or they're curious, I will absolutely help them. Sure. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be like, oh, fuck, you one dude, I don't give no, a shit. No, and you do. You help the patients that want to help themselves. I mean, you'll go above and beyond. That's absolutely. All. Yeah, we but, all are. But I don't try to help those that aren't seeking guidance. Sure. And they the just pe- want the band aid. Right. People would come in and they would they would say, Oh, you know, I don't feel good and I had chest pain and they gave me these drugs, they're not really working and I'm like, You're four hundred and fifty pounds. Like Yeah, your heart's like suffering. You're not doing good, dude. Right. Like let's get you off of these meds by not feeding your body with toxic food and right. let's get you to eat better, blah, blah, blah. They'd be like, oh, is, there, is there a medication that can help me? I'm like, so now, now I just don't even broach the Banging subject. my head against this microphone. Right. <laughs> no, I mean. What do you mean? Is there a medication? Yes. Yeah, it's it, called f- stop fucking putting food in your mouth. Right. That's what it's called. But when you walk in the hospital. But I know they have, you know, different things like food addictions and everything. I mean, you really, even as a cardiology NP, you kind of have to be a little bit of a linebacker, right? You have to be the quarterback that says, you know, what else are you struggling with? Right. How else can I help you? Are you depressed? Are you anxious? And all those things can attribute to things like food addiction. But do I, as as a cardiologist, I don't know that that's necessarily my wheelhouse. My cardiologist has always done that for me. And so maybe it's because he's a cardio, he's a concierge. Probably. That helps. But he wasn't always. No, I know. He wasn't always. And I think. But you don't have time to do that when you're paid by the visit. 
you don't have time. Right. I don't have time to ask those questions. Right. That's so sad. Because you send them to me. Right. (laughs) So, but primary care needs to be more overarching and see all of everything. And in cardiology, I can be like, well, I can see that your diabetes isn't very well controlled. Have you talked to an endocrinologist about that? And I can refer you to endocrinology or I can refer you back to your primary for them to refer you to endocrinology. In my note, it can say, I suggest an endocrinology follow-up because this patient's diabetes is not well controlled. But I'm not going to give you Jardians to start you on a medication to treat you for your diabetes because that's not my wheelhouse. Right. It's a out of my spectrum of therapy. That's so frustrating. I never really thought about that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not going to do that. Why am I going to take take over what? And especially when you're used by, to you know ER nursing where you do everything. Especially yeah, you do everything. Mm-hmm. You, you know. St- you find out what's wrong, you stabilize them, and then you get them where they need to go. ICU nursing, I mean, you are taking care of the entire patient in right. the ICU. I mean, even, you know, up into their mental health sometimes. Correct. Right? Or family's mental health. And you're taking care of you're taking right. care of like this so wife, the husband. It's incredibly difficult to go from that to a that's provider why, where you're so pigeonholed in what you can actually do for the patient. That's why I'd say it took six months to get kind of comfortable in what I could not giving extra detail in the report sure (laughs) because i was so used to being they just don't care about the other stuff they don't i mean i had it available and if some i had a couple doctors that were really kind of like they're as much of a primary care as they were a cardiologist really for a lot of their patients and when they would ask questions i had the answers for them right and they would dig deeper to know what was going on you can just completely shut that off right no you can't because how long were you a nurse before you were a provider six years i guess right you know but yeah. so it's just funny because when you see the patients this way, we narrow everything down. So now I'm cardiology. I'm only focused on your heart. And if your kidney function is dysfunctional, I know I can't give you drugs, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to be like, not going to give you a little sartan because you have chronic kidney disease, stage three, referred to nephrology. Like I'm not going to treat your kidney disease. I'm going to so send you to So you just put nephrology. them on another antihypertensive? Or yeah, I'll switch them if they're on one, if they're on Losartan or Losinopril, I'll take them off of that and put them on something else. Yes. Right. But if they're already on a bunch of other stuff, now I got to find something out of the box that's able to be utilized for someone with kidney disease. Especially if they just refuse to take care of themselves in any way. That's so That's That's the other problem. So then again, it becomes that cavalcade of other things that I can't control that I'm supposed to be able to control, but I can't control. Right which comes down to the patient satisfaction scores, which in one other podcast I talked about, like Google reviews, Google reviews are the doctor's patient satisfaction score. Right. And you can tell right away the doctors that are very direct with their patients because their satisfaction scores are shit. 1.8 out of 5. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they got 50 reviews. Right. This guy was a jerk or this woman. Mostly it's the men that get the negative scores, but there are some women that are like pretty aggressive docs because they had to be. They're older women. They came up with a bunch of male physicians and they felt that they needed to be more masculine or aggressive in their tone. We've definitely met a few. Yeah, right. Right. So they, their scores are always tend to be low as well. And then you get some doctors that just have a really good rapport with their patients and spend a lot of time and listen to all of the everything. Oh, your dog is sick. That's so horrible. Like, fuck, I, you know, I don't have time. I used to. Yeah. I used to care. Yeah. And when I was a nurse, I had hours to listen to your whole thing, whatever was going on. Do you miss that at all? Or do you really prefer the provider 
life. <laughs> do you know what I love about the provider side? It has nothing to do with the patient interaction. It has to do with the person-to-person interaction and the nurse-to-provider versus nurse-to-nurse. Hmm. So, or or provider-to-provider versus nurse-to-provider. So there's this hierarchy it's perceived hierarchy that doesn't mean that I know a lot of dumb doctors. I know a lot of really smart do. nurses. Right. Absolutely. You know and what I mean? Versa. Sure. And vice versa. I know really intelligent, highly intelligent doctors. And I know fucking stupid yes. nurses. I'm surprised some of the, my classmates made it through school. Let's be honest. <laughs> okay. I'm surprised I made it through school. But anyway, Stop. I digress. So my point here is that it, being a nurse or being a doctor doesn't designate you to be smart or dumb. Or doesn't, Just because you have the letters behind your name does not, it's not a mark of intelligence. Correct. Sure. So being a provider though, gives me a different perceptive position with other people. So when I were, when I was a firefighter, we work with firefighters, you're all, your goal as a group is to get better because collectively your goal is to all do really good. But if your goal is to be a shitty person or to be an angry, upset because you didn't succeed in life or you didn't get to where you thought you needed to get to or whatever, and that's your goal, it's very hard for someone like me to communicate with that person. So if I'm always talking to people that are higher than me, doctors, who are always, they're not threatened by my ability or my knowledge, they're not threatened by me. Sure. The conversation's easy. Like, I don't ever mind being the lowest on the totem pole. But if you're equal to me in title, right? So I'm a nurse and this other person's a nurse. And the person I'm talking to really wanted to be an NP, but they couldn't go to school. They didn't have time. They had kids or blah, blah, whatever the story is, whatever the excuse is, whatever. They had life happen and they didn't. And they think they're smarter than the doctor. Or they say they're smart. And they might as be. They could totally be smarter than the doctor. But they can't write prescriptions. And they can't change. Right. The, they can't do things. So now when I'm talking to that person, it's now, now it's an adversarial conversation. It's not a, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, so what happened with this patient? Oh, blah, 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 blah. It's not, it's not a back and forth. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Right. And now it's an argument. And even if it's a soft, calm, collected argument, it's not helpful at all. And that conversation, and when it comes to like vacation time, I said this to someone the other day. I said, look, when I first got my very first NP job, my son was going to school and I wanted to be there for his first day of school. And I asked him, I said, hey, I know I just started here (laughs) like (laughs) two days ago, God forbid, but my son's first day of school is Wednesday. I wanted to be there in the morning and I come in late. And the first words out of the office manager's mouth was like, Sure thing, Tyler, no problem. We just won't schedule any patients that morning. Right. Wow. And I went... Not, um, you don't have any PTO yet, so no. Like, we already have three nurses off that day, and you're going to take a double assignment. Like, there's none of this. None of... Nothing. It was freaking... Wow. It blew my mind. I literally looked around thinking there was candid cameras, and someone was pulling my chain yeah. and lying to me because it was so different outrageous the treatment was different of me the perception of me was different i was i'm not gonna lie when i first got out of school i think i was afraid i was gonna fucking kill someone and every med i wrote and i was writing for shit they were already on and i'm like this is gonna kill (laughs) 
it's metoprolol 12.5 and they're gonna die (laughs) like i was just really scared and i think if people come out of school and they're not scared I think they're lying. They're absolutely I think if you've been lying. doing this for 20 years and you're not just a little bit scared, you need to fuck off and go somewhere else. I think you, I think you I should always be, though. yeah, you, you should always be, be a little scared. Yeah, just a little. And it's important and it's people's lives and it's people's family members that you're, you know, dictating their care now, not just, you know, as not just as a nurse, but you know, you are literally, like I said, kind of the quarterback and you are managing their care now. You are calling the shots. Right. So and that's a, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. And I don't think NP school really prepares you for that level right. of, and I don't even think MD school prepares you for that because these, these physicians, these year ones and your second, third year residents, they're going through school and they are like, so deep in the book and so they don't have any bedside manner because they're busy because they're not paid by quality. They're paid in quantity. So now you've got to see 30 patients in an office in a day. So let's divide that up. So you got to, let's say it's a 10 hour day. Okay. That's three patients an hour. Charting on all of those patients. So if you're going to do everything for each patient, that's 20 minutes. Prescribing. That's 20 minutes a patient. That's everything all in, in a 10 hour day without a lunch. Right. Now do it in eight hours with the lunch and round on 12 patients in the hospital. How do you get it done? You spend four minutes with each patient? Right. That's right. my point. Wow. So to see the same, as Medicare and Medicaid culls or cuts income from doctors, they now have to see more to keep their income. Right. And guess what we can't do? When inflation goes up to 11, 12, 15%, I can't raise my price 15% to compensate for that. I also can't raise my price to compensate for gas going to 550 a gallon. (laughs) My air conditioning buddy can. Sure. Tomorrow. The grocery stores can. The grocery store can. The supply chain. I can't. So I just, I lost 15% off the top. Plus I lost all the fuel costs right off top of income. So how do I compensate for that? You see more patients. See more patients and spend less time with them. Spending less time with the balance, which yeah. is unfair to the whole lion's share of patients. It's sure. just unfair. But that's the system that we were in. Now, we're going to go to break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the law being passed in California that really is going to mess with all the nurse practitioners and providers. Can't it's actually, wait. yeah, I'm sure you can't. It's kind of scary, actually, to that, that that's going on. I don't even know how to really explain it, so we'll see if we can do it. So give me a minute. We'll come back from break and have fun. Medically unbiased. So three monsters later, I'm feeling better. I'm just saying. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't three. It was half of one. Yeah. So where were we? Oh yeah, we we're talking about California's new proposed law. I gotta tell you, this one kind of scares me. It's uh, I don't know. It's playing with my. Uh, 
you know, there's a video, and it's probably, like, I'm an adult, so I don't watch TikTok. What? I'm a grown-up. I get all of my information from TikTok. I know. I I get mine on Instagram two weeks after it's been posted to TikTok, okay? Like, oh, I get Like an adult. Like, like, an, like a real adult. Like a real human being. <laughs> like a real basic bitch. That's, a, that's right. <laughs> it's fucking pumpkin spice season, ladies. I'm just saying. I said you're bougie. Yeah, I am bougie. And then While you're looking September that up, 1. Speaking of pumpkin spice, have you tried the um, apple crisp oat milk macchiato the not new. only no but hell no listen <laughs> okay okay good black coffee i was black so co- excited <laughs> to try it and I, it's like it ugh, tastes like a fucking candle dude no thanks said that. <laughs> tastes like a candle one of those <laughs> basic bitch white barn apple no crisp no. candles i can't you what know what the fuck is in that starbucks i don't is know it wax <laughs> What is it? I, I have no it's idea. It's not natural. I, it's not. It's all artificial BS. Come on. You know, know. this. But it so, tastes like, but it how, tastes and how like much one of those cost holiday you? apple candles smell. So at first you're like, mm, and then you're I like, I just want to know how you know. I've smelled this before. I, I want to <laughs> I wanna know how you know what a candle tastes like. I just want to know. Well, it's like if you uh, smell something, you kind of know what it's going to taste like, right? Like poo? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing it out there. That reminds um, me of that scene in Meet the Parents. Welcome where, to my bad argument. He was like, "Well, I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk? Can you milk me?" <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. <what> <laughs> oh my god! You're See, just like that guy. I instead of I'm there was like a there was an old Ben Stiller. There's an here, old <laughs> guest. And you're just taking advantage just, of just my beating the kindness. piss out of your comments. Yeah, it's rude. No, there was an old uh, SNL skit called uh, "Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy." And it was just like the most random comments in the world. It was pretty funny at the time, but I was also like 12. And I thought it was oh, hilarious, right? right. And it's yeah. probably still hilarious. I just don't remember them. <laughs> but I always thought it'd be fun to have, you know, your own little skits that were just... And TikTok made this kind of come out of people before... And I was thinking of it before TikTok was a thing. I didn't... Oh, of course you were. Right. Well, I was thinking of doing it on YouTube, but it wasn't like long... Like YouTube wants 10-minute videos and exactly. shit to yeah. long well, engagements. Why don't you do it now? Uh, Why are you so probably TikTok. I uh, just no thanks. I'm good. It's great entertainment. I think you should it's create the, a TikTok. That's nah, the most. It's the most evil app out there. Why? It's just a very oppressive to you, your whole computer systems and it's your oppressive phone. to your phone. It's bad news for you. It's My, it's very invasive. Okay, that that's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> that that's gonna go down a. A hole I don't want to go. Oh shit! Never yeah, mind. No, it's just one of those things. Well, like, so the conspiracy theorist in me freaks out because Roomba was purchased by Amazon, and I'm like, so are they mapping your home? What if they are? What so, if they know the layout of your home? That's also public information. Is it? It's is not it? public information. It's not unless Redfin you put it. Up, it's on Redfin or Zillow if you Zillow. put your house up for sale, but it's not just generalized public information. Right. So you just don't want. Well, so what now? So, so Walmart was able to accurately predict. Yeah, welcome to your world. (laughs) Walmart was able to accurately predict the additional need for strawberry pop tarts in the Florida Panhandle prior to a hurricane because the amount of data they've extracted over the years. They have one of the biggest databases available for sales and purchases based on a multitude of factors, whether it's hurricanes storms in the northeast like they know what's going to sell where based on these different storm and weather patterns because of the data they've kept so does Roomba's ability to map out your home 
allow Amazon to know that you have four bathrooms instead of three. Like, and then in that regard, do they now market more toilet paper to you than the other? Like, again, oh, this is. Dang. <laughs> is that why you don't like Costco? No, I go to Costco. I have a Costco card. I go to Costco. I don't like Costco because it's, it's just scary. It's not scary. It's that you said ev- it was scary. No, no, I never saw it scary. I said it's. Oh, it's stressful. Stressful, but not for me. But everyone there is like stressed. No, I'm not. It's like Disneyland, dude. Like <laughs> you should go to Costco with me. You need so my. You need to go to Costco with me. A real expert, someone who just loves Costco. If someone wanted to understand me to a better level, there's a character, and I never saw the actual TV show. It's called Parks and Rec, I guess. Sure. Yeah. And there's a character called Ron Swanson. That's my spirit animal. That guy is fucking okay. hilarious. Okay. Never seen it, but. So in one of the videos, he's at what would be Whole Foods to us. And then he's in a store like that, like a Whole Foods okay. or what's the one my there's one my wife always wants to go Sprouts. to. Sprouts. No. Natural grocers. Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But it's a Joe's Crab Shack. No, I'm just kidding. It's a, <laughs> what the hell's the name of the store? Anyway, she's like, I wish they'd build one of those by us, but they never do. Whatever. We're in the ghetto. Well, I can't fucking help it. Okay. You're- you're in like Southern Highlands, it's although I had ghetto. two break-ins in this piece of shit area, yeah, Southern right. Harlem. Ghetto. Yeah, literally. So, All right. But my point is that in that episode, he goes, I come to this place for the same reason people go to the zoo. And he pans over, the camera pans over and sees this like young man with like, white, young white guy with dreads, like kind of looks homeless, but you know he's not homeless because he probably drives a fucking Audi and drinks, you know, cafe lattes and uses his MacBook on the weekends in front of Starbucks. Like, it's that guy, right? I think you're being so judgy right now. But I okay. am because it's true. Okay? okay. Stereotypes exist for a reason, sister. I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> it's, it's not evil. It's stereotypical. Okay? Moving on. <laughs> I'm just saying. So he's I like, like, he goes, cafe lattes, so. I do too. Right? It was just the thing. So he pans over <laughs> to the guy and he goes, look at him. Look at that specimen. Like he's fucking just, <laughs> it's so good. Oh, it's so funny. Okay. So, so that's totally me. What I'm is California that starting that you're nervous oh, about? Scary shit, right? So California's proposed legislation, it's called AB 2098, 2098. It says, existing law provides for the licensure and regulation of physicians and surgeons by the Medical Board of California and the Osteopathic Medical Board of California. Blah, blah, blah. Existing law requires the applicable board to take action against any licensed physician and surgeon who's charged with unprofessional conduct as provided. So the new bill says that they would designate the dissemination of misinformation or disinformation related to COVID or SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus <laughs> as unprofessional conduct. Now, how are they qualifying misinformation? That's a good question. Section one says uh, the data from the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention of the CDC shows that unvaccinated individuals are at risk for dying from COVID. That is 11 times greater than those who are fully vaccinated. Oh. So that's point one or B, depending on how you read this. Sure. C or two or three or whatever it is. The safety and efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines have been confirmed through the evaluation by the Federal Food and Drug Administration and the vaccines continue to undergo intensive safety monitoring by the CDC. 
major news outlets <laughs> have reported that some of the most dangerous propagators of inaccurate information regarding the COVID-19 vaccines are licensed healthcare professionals. Propagators. Yeah. Wow, that sounds serious. It sounds expensive. It's yeah. a big word. Like, yeah. Like diphenhydramine. It's just expensive. Oof. I'm just saying. The Federal State Medical Board has released a statement warning that physicians who engage in the dissemination of COVID-19 vaccine misinformation or disinformation risk losing their medical license and that physicians have a duty to provide their patients with accurate science-based information. Uh, scary shit, really. Very. It shall con- it shall constitute unprofessional conduct for a physician and surgeon, which is fucking weird. The surgeon. wording, yeah, the wording is just really weird in this bill. It says physician and surgeon. So if you're just a physician but not a surgeon, does it apply to you? Ooh, I would argue that. Law school. I know. Yep. To disseminate misinformation. So for a physician and surgeon to disseminate misinformation. So if you're a physician by yourself and doing it, I guess it's okay. But if you're, but if it's you, and why is a surgeon not a physician? Because there, you have to be a physician to be a surgeon. Right. And does this count for mid-levels? Again, it doesn't say anything about mid-levels. Wow. So it's hilarious. But yet they're trying to make it so that if you speak negatively about COVID, you could lose your license. So years ago, I had a conversation with uh, a doctor who was from Canada. He's a Canadian physician working in the U.S. Okay. And he said that he really liked working. I said, well, I, th- I thought you like guys in Canada liked your medical system where everyone gets medical care. He goes, think about this for a minute. He goes, what if, what if in the U.S. you wanted to work in, let's say, Tennessee? But they wouldn't license you in Tennessee because they already have enough cardiologist in tennessee but they'll give you a license to work in texas i didn't think about that so they (laughs) can dictate where these doctors and providers live and and i don't know anything about i don't know anything about canadian medicine at all i'm totally you know going off of what he told me and this was again you know five six seven years ago when i spoke to him so it was a while ago time flies when you have kids so bear with me it might have been 25 years i'm just kidding it wasn't quite that long but it was probably six or seven years Time, ago, realistically. Money, everything just goes Go, out the window. goes out the I'm window. Guessing. The wallet's yeah. open, the kids have it all, it's gone. Right. And the wife has some of it. Maybe. Most of it. Or when she, if she tells me, it's gone. Anyway, so this guy. None for you. None for me ever. <laughs> so the, this guy tells me this story, and I'm, I'm like, I never thought of it that way. So I'm just assuming that that would be the case there. They could, you know, maybe there's too many or not enough. I don't know. It's So I don't remember where I was because we had to stop the podcast for a minute because the wife called. Because that happens. Oof, yeah. You got to answer those Love her, calls. but I don't, I don't, I don't want one of those. Hey, you want to cross her? I'm just saying. Yeah. No, I like yours. I just don't. I don't. I, don't want <laughs> I like mine too. Maybe, it's maybe eventually, but right. Oof. Yeah. So anyway, I think right. we were talking about the Canadian problem, and like what? So what if we had socialized medicine, and what if the government dictated to you where you could practice because you need to be in an underserved community, but you want to work. Wild. Yeah, well, I mean, to us, it's wild, but maybe to them, they kind of go in knowing that. It's like, well, maybe, like but that, obviously, that's why right? he's working like here. They kind of dictate where you can go and practice, I'm guessing. Well, correct. As a, in the military, you go into the military knowing that you're going to go where they tell you you're going. Same, probably, with these Canadian providers. Maybe. And I don't know that that's Based how on it what is you're there. Saying. Yeah. But he, was, he did bring it up that it, and it made me think for a minute, like, holy shit, what if. 
what if they said, no, Tyler, you can't get a nurse practitioner license in Nevada because guess what? You, we need you, we need nurse practitioners in wherever. I don't know. Pick a town. Oklahoma. There you go. Exactly. You're going to be, you're going to be in Oklahoma and that's yeah. where you got to, that you can, we'll give you a license there. But we're not going to give you a license here. Right. That sounds awful. Would you do it? You think? I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a good question. Because so when you when you're a nurse practitioner or provider or whatever, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. Like you become part of a community, right? Sure. You can be you can be an auto mechanic, you can run an air conditioning company, you can be a plumber, you're part of the community. It's very difficult to pick up from one community and go to another part of the country and be part of that community. Right. That's a that's a tough thing. You know? I think for a lot of people, most people, I think with, um, you know, associates and bachelor's prepared nurses that are not providers, I think it's a lot easier, i.e. travel nursing. Yeah. But yeah, I can definitely see how, especially if you have your own practice. I mean, right. that would be incredibly difficult to just pick up and move. And you can't, you can't just leave page. So if you have a practice, there's legally, you can't just leave. Right. You can't have see patients on Friday and then Monday be like, I'm closing my doors. Ain't right. nobody coming in no Figure more. Figure it out. No. It you have to provide letters to every patient. You have to write letters to contact them. Right. You have to give, it's like 90 days. You have to help them find another physician or another provider. Wow. There's a lot to it. It's not like you just go, well, close my. Now, if you're providing not primary care, you're providing like concierge type medicine or you're providing uh like testosterone injections or something sure. you know where there's not an ongoing medical care it's just intermittent care once in a while seeing the patient i don't know that's the same but if you've got a you know a list of patients that's right. that 10,000 regular follow up yeah you got 10,000 patients in your practice right yes. well think about it. so think about that a minute so uh physicians group or a group, because most people aren't sole providers anymore. The, sure. the yeah. days of having one person do that job is uh, is no longer, right. right? So you have a group of physicians. Now, if each physician is is seeing 20 patients a day, five days a week, that's 120 patients a week, or 100 patients a week, excuse me, and they're seeing 100 patients for 40 weeks a year, let's say, to right. be conservative, to be like super, I mean, super liberal side of that, you know, giving them a shit ton of vacation time, right? Because there's 52 weeks in a year. Right. So I'm only going to go for 40. So it's 40 times 100. 4,000? Times 10 doctors. Dang. <laughs> okay. Do you see my, that's 40,000 patients. That's a lot. Right? Yeah. So you can't just close your doors. No. So I can see why they would just place people where there's a need. I guess. You know? I'm just, when you start adding up the numbers, people don't think of it this way. They don't think of it from the business perspective. They don't right. think of it as, oh my God, that doctor's taking care of 8,000 people in his practice with two doctors, right? And then when you come into, as a patient, you come into the office and you see there's two people behind the desk and all they're doing is looking at the computer. Those bitches are just looking at TikTok. They ain't even doing any work. Why you gotta hate on TikTok? Man? I don't know. It's just the, literally. Well, it started earlier and yeah, just kind of progressed to the yeah, rest of the just day. It's kind of nice an opening and just put your knife in. Mm-hmm. There just, yeah, just dig in. You know. Yeah. yeah. Go big. Go home. Yeah, guess. I would have done the same thing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's why we're friends. All right. So, 
my wife got all pissed off because there was a bunch of people sitting. My daughter had to go to the dock. So a bunch of people were sitting behind the desk. She's like, I don't even know what they're doing. They're just sitting there. I'm like, they weren't just fucking sitting there. Okay. They're not just sitting there. To you, it looks like they're just sitting there. But what if you have 40,000 people in your practice because they have 10 physicians and you do refills on medications? And you're answering the phones. Right. And people are calling to make appointments. Now, don't get me wrong. No doctor's office seems to be really good at making appointments. I don't know how they continue to do no, jobs. No, even at my company. I mean, people constantly complain. I'm on the phone for 30, 40 minutes, and then like you can't see me for three months. My physician's right. group that it's I currently awful. work for, hard to get an appointment with. It's so yeah. weird. Like, why is that a thing? I don't understand it, but it's a thing. And it's a thing everywhere. And so why, isn't, why Why don't we have self-scheduling? There's the internet. My my, I you can know? schedule with my barber <laughs> via <laughs> Google, <laughs> okay? pretty simple i can't get an appointment with my doctor to see right. my life so my wife is all upset well, you and can, I but said, you're gonna wait correct three months right and i said to my wife i said that person's probably maybe they're doing prior authorizations i said you know how many times an insurance company wants to deny a medication because or they don't want to pay for it or, or a procedure or a test or whatever right yeah. they don't want to pay for it so they're going to deny it because they're gonna, now we're going to have to fight for it. So you might have someone in your office whose job strictly is to fight to get this stuff for these patients. That's their only job. Right. Now, are you billing? You have to bill, but then you have to resubmit billing because something might be wrong on the paperwork because it's going through a government agency. And then that's another employee that's just sitting on the computer. That's right? four. You know, it's four like... Four or five employees that are sitting on the computer. triage when they say, well, you're not doing anything. Like, why are you just sitting there? Like, can't you just get me back? <sighs> Like, no, <laughs> I, and I not only I'm going not through only the that, list and seeing who is going to die first. So please, just let me do. But not only job. that, like I'm not. I am. I am physically sitting here, right? But I'm paid for what I know, right. not paid for what I do. That's different. So for someone Good who's point. paid for what they do, their physical ability, and I've been paid for my physical ability in the sure. past to dig a ditch run a backhoe, like physically able, capable of lifting heavy objects, roofing homes, doing tasks, building wood structure, whatever, framing homes. That's physical. That's knowledge, but also combined with a physical ability, right? But nobody would look at, you know, a crazy mad scientist, knowledgeable person that's fucking completely, you know, obtunded and stuck in a wheelchair, like Stephen Hawking and be like, why aren't you working why are you harder? Just sitting there. You're not doing anything, you lazy piece of shit. Yeah, you got ALS or whatever and you're just laying in your chair being knowledgeable okay. and smart lazy. and stuff. Right. right. No, you wouldn't do that. No. So So why is it different with healthcare? You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, nurses were just up here. I mean, they were the hero, healthcare heroes, right? I mean, oh, they were it's such bullshit. It's such bullshit. But I'm, I'm just sorry. saying, you know, we were... If they weren't getting paid, they wouldn't have fucking gone to work. Oh, 100%. So, 100%. So, but my he, point the, is, but I'm saying the, he, the hero aspect is changed. blown out of proportion. I'm yeah. sorry. They're not heroes. No one's a hero. Hero? No. <laughs> Your face. Oh, I wish they could see that. Hero. Heroes. heroes oh jesus makes me sick no not at all it makes me nauseous to think that that's how the everyone was portrayed right but i don't think at the beginning of the pandemic when people were bringing us you know cupcakes and everything else saying thank you so much for what you do now it's why are you just sitting there how the hell did that change we didn't work we're not working any less hard we're not working any you know 
We're Tick, not, we, we TikTok. We're going to blame TikTok. It's not fucking TikTok, Tyler. If nurses weren't dancing and making stupid TikTok videos, nobody would be like, why does she have time to make a TikTok video? You know what? Maybe you're right. <laughs> Just, <laughs> maybe you're right. If 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 you're not out there fucking putting your shit out there, it's saying to everybody, well, look how much time I have. I have time to make this stupid video. They probably shouldn't be making them at work. I will give you that. Okay. That kind of really irritates me. Right. Okay. So obviously, give us a good name. No, it doesn't. But that's one person, and then everyone's being judged by the lowest common denominator. Sure. Right. Not everyone's doing that. I'm not out there making TikTok videos, laughing. I wish at you my would, pro- though. Will you just consider it? <laughs> Maybe, but okay. no. All right. But I am saying that the perception went from. We don't have time to make TikTok videos because we're busy taking care of very sick, very unable to treat. We're guessing. We don't know what we're doing with these patients. Not because we we don't want to help them, but because we don't know how to treat this disease. Because right. early on, we were intubating patients versus providing high-flow nasal cannula, sure. and we were killing people. Early on, we were providing medications, trying to treat them with these meds that weren't working, and then they still think remdesivir is good, whatever. I'm just saying <laughs> the point is, is that there's a lot of things happening quickly in short order and nurses were part of the science being provided and people were very respectful of that. Right. It's a general society, right? Because we just wanted an answer. We wanted a fix just like everything. You Correct. want a blood pressure pill to but fix tell me, everything that's wrong with you, you know? Take take a hundred nurses that, you, you know, in that group, in a group of nursing from old to young, new nurse to seasoned how many would have shown up if they weren't getting paid? If you said, I am not going to pay you for any of the therapies. You, I'm not going to pay you for the next none. month. I'm not going to pay you for the next month, but you got to be here every day because we got too many patients, but not, you're not getting paid because we're not making any money. Truly none. Okay. I think the only time that really genuinely happens is in a, a f- for real crisis. October 1. You were there on yeah, October 1. I was. You showed up. You didn't know if you were going to get paid. I, I didn't care about in. getting paid. Right. I didn't care no, about getting none paid. None of us did because we wanted care. to be there for our I city was, and our team. And I was there else. for everybody else. Yes. But not the pandemic. Definitely not. No. Because because what's the difference? I don't know. Honestly. The there's dif- not a huge crisis going on. It's not no, it's a huge. Crisis. It was a huge crisis. The sure, pandemic yeah, was right. a, It's not an let me, crisis. But let me clarify that. The it, level of danger for ourselves and our families definitely wasn't there. Yeah. Right. You'll show up. October 1 was a horrific event. Uh, absolutely. It was one of the worst things that's happened in Vegas and ever, right? Yeah. So we're both ER nurses. We both worked in the ER, the level one trauma center at the time. And we both went to work without being called. Like people showed up without being called in. That place was full of able-bodied people willing to help. Absolutely. Instantly. Yeah. I wanted to go in so bad and help but, you guys. And yeah. you went and yeah. But, but what was the threat to us? Zero. Zero. There was zero potential of us dying. Right. At the hospital. Take COVID. What was the potential of a nursing staff member or a physician staff member dying of COVID while treating COVID early in the pandemic. I mean, I don't know if we knew. Right. It was that. It was the unknown. We we knew it wasn't zero. Right. We knew it wasn't zero. We knew there was a risk. A a risk. And it was a very different risk. It was a very different risk than we had been taking before, right? Because we had been exposed to 
so many. We've been exposed to so much tuberculosis. shit. Tuberculosis. Right. I mean, just like C diff. Like C. I probably, diff, ha- right. I probably I swimming too. in C diff right. right now. Exactly. You like, know, we've been colonized with MRSA. Every single one of us. You know. Yeah. You swab any nurse's nose. Unknown risk. Right. What so is the, this thing? And the potential of causing death to us and our family. And we couldn't get. PPE because they wouldn't provide us PPE because of fucking whatever. Yeah. There's all this argument about we didn't have enough equipment and we were having to provide care. Now there are nurses, there are some people out there with beautiful hearts that would have done the job without the money. Oh yeah, there are. There's just not enough of them, right? <laughs> there's to frankly, honest, there's not I enough. Don't know if I know any, honestly. I, I can't think of one person that would have gone there day after day after day and put themselves at risk. Now, there were some amazing nurses that said, you know what? I'm going to work in the COVID area because I know you have little kids at home. Yes, exactly. How yeah. and There, there were was... even some nurses for me, because my partner at the time had type 1 diabetes, mm-hmm. that said, I really don't want you to take this home to her. Like, do you do you want me to switch you assignments? Right. Amazing nurses. Yeah. And there was nurses at other facilities that were like, hey... You know, I know it's your turn to go work in this area, but you're pregnant. So right. we're going to work there for sure. you. I want yeah. you to All work. The in right. That happened a lot, you know, and I think that happened across the country. I just know about it personally because I was told about it by some nursing staff. Yeah. But I think that happened across the country. That's sure. just we protect our own kind of thing. Yeah. Just like cops protect their own, right. whether they should or not. It's a whole other story. <laughs> but I'm just saying that we all do that. Now, if nobody was getting paid, I don't think... The vast, I don't think they would have gone in. Now, if there's an earthquake in California and there's a bunch of people injured, firefighters, nurses, people flock yes. to the hospitals right. to assist in a tragedy like that right. because the tragedy's over. There's a start and a stop. Absolutely. And we I didn't know when was this was going to stop. Is we knew, you know, on October 1, we knew it was going to stabilize, if not at some point that night, yeah. if the next day and things would get back to normal very soon. We had no idea this pandemic would be, I I had no idea this pandemic would be going on two years, three years. Right. You know. Well, no longer is it a pandemic, it's not endemic, I guess. Oh, yeah, of course. It's all, you know, here. But I'm saying this podcast and me and my friends all from the beginning were like, you know what? This is fucking stupid. Yeah. The mask thing, dumb. Why are we doing it? We've never done this shit before. I remember the thumb and the butthole. Yeah, that was know, my analogy. If analogy. if I had if if that was Fauci's thing, you need to stick your thumb in your butt. <laughs> if you stick your thumb, if you stick your thumb in your butt, you won't get COVID. I right? that's what I'm saying. Thumb in the butt, <laughs> no COVID. It's so everyone needs to walk around with a thumb in your ass. Like nobody would have done it. They'd right. be like, "Fuck it, I'm getting COVID. I'm not sticking my thumb in my ass. I'm right. just not." Well, there might have been a couple of guys that were like, "I'm totally doing that." Yeah. The vast majority of people wouldn't have done it. Right. And you, you can tell, and it became so politicized that driving down the highway, I will be able to tell you if they voted for Trump or Biden based on whether they're wearing a mask in their car alone or not. A mask alone in your car. Right? On a freeway. Right. Oh, God. You're liberal. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're, You're a liberal. liberal. <laughs> That's all there is to it. And this isn't a political show, but I can tell you, because we brought it up earlier with the whole Trump and Biden presidential election during the cycle while I was working at the one facility, like you just know now it's become a politicized thing where it wasn't in the beginning. It was a protection thing, which 
let's face it, the mask never worked, worked. Anyway, whatever. If a fart can get through your underwear and your pants and you can still smell it, the fucking mask <laughs> is doing nothing for you. Okay, I'm just saying. No, it works. It, it protects shut you. Shut up. It doesn't do squat. Shut up. It protects you. It doesn't. We know it doesn't. It's a waste of time. It's all theater. It's kabuki theater. Masquerading is therapy. It's yeah. stupid. It's dumb. You it's a waste. You have to wear a mask at work? Yeah, all the facilities you have to wear a I mask. Know. Yeah, me too. Like, why? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'd love for you to answer that. I don't know. I had a lady tell me the other day, I walked into a room and I literally stepped into the room. I stepped across the threshold of the room. So the threshold being where the door closes and I stepped in and I went, oops, wrong patient's room. And I backed out. So I had made it into the room all of eight inches maybe. And I backed out and I didn't sanitize my hands. And this woman says, you need to sanitize your hands. I'm like, why? You d- did you touch anything? No, I fucking stepped in the room and was, I stepped out. I was there for seconds, not minutes. You know why? I went... Because they make that jump and see diff now. Well, right. The jump and see diff. It jumps. Right. It jumps. Right. You mean, you mean it didn't come off the sheets when you washed them and you put them on another bed? Mm-mm. Because C. diff didn't go through a cleaning procedure in that bed. I guarantee you, because you can't, you can't burn C. diff off of cotton sheets. Guess what? You're going to burn the fucking sheets. You know what I'm saying? C. diff can live in bleach for months. Of course it can. Not getting rid of it. Right. So they're like, oh my God, that was a C. diff room. You got to sanitize your hands. I'm like, first of all, if it's a C. diff room, I don't sanitize my hands. I wash them with soap and water. Second, I didn't touch anything in the room. Third, you're fucking crazy because you can't even explain to me what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to do. Because the sign says so. Right. And that's her argument. Damn it. Because that's our guidelines here. Okay. So why? No one questions the why. Nobody asks why anymore. We don't ask why. Do you know who asks why? People who want to fucking learn more. Yeah. But guess what? If you're the guy pushing the shopping cart, you don't ask why. You just do it. Yep. And you do it at a shitty slow pace because you're getting paid by the hour because there's no incentive. There's no financial incentive for you to do more. There's not enough people asking why because there's no incentive to ask why. You don't get paid for asking why. I do. I wouldn't be a nurse practitioner if I didn't get paid for asking why. I would have. I would have stayed digging box, ditches outside of the guidelines because you still have to operate under your guidelines as a nurse practitioner. Do you? Do I still have to operate under the guidelines? Because I tell people to eat steak all the time, and that's yeah. way against the you know general consensus of cardiology. Very true. You know, the American Cardiology Association will tell you that, oh my God, you don't eat steak or bacon, that'll cause heart disease. And we all know it's bullshit. So when I tell my patients to eat steak, you should see them. What do you mean? What? I can have bacon? Yes, you can have bacon. It's amazing. You should name your pig bacon. That's what you should do. You should get a pet pig, name him bacon, and then cook him after he gets big enough and eat bacon. You know, that's what you should do. But I tell people that and they think I'm absolutely freaking out of my mind or that I'm teasing them or that I'm lying or that I'm manipulating. Now, the consensus is that that's bad for you. But the problem with the consensus is it's built on a false premise. So if the consensus of everybody is that you're stupid because they all... Just want to call you stupid. So everyone says, oh, uh, Tracy's stupid. We all we all voted and we agree. You're stupid. Well, goes back so is to now like that the, the whole... consensus that you're fucking stupid? 
the guy that thought the world was round kind of thing. He is stupid. Right? <laughs> you mean Galileo? When he was when yeah. Ga- so when Galileo was chastised by the Catholic Church and thrown out of the Catholic Church and thrown in prison because he thought differently and then he found out all the shit that he said was accurate. But anyway, Not the point <laughs> I know. Damn you, Galileo, for being right. Damn. So what I'm gonna say the world's flat because I have a level and my fucking level's straight on. It's level. That's why the world's level. <laughs> the world's flat because I have a bubble level and <laughs> it's level. I'm just saying. Yep. <laughs> and when I'm in a boat, guess what? It's also level. Water, level. It's all flat. The world is flat. Did you end up sanitizing your hands? No. <laughs> I did not. Not only no, but hell no. I hell wasn't no. I wasn't about to. Fuck no. Fuck no. I'm not going to sanitize my hands. There's no yeah. reason to. I did nothing to need the... I did before I walked in the room. Right. You gelled in. Yeah, because guess what? That's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. Yeah. They're watching. It's stupid. The yeah. whole thing's dumb. I just... The protocols and the guidelines, they exist. A lot of them are needed. I get it. But there are some times when you need to say why. Exactly. You need to question the standard of care. How did we have any kind of innovation if we don't have any kind of, or you know, questioning of the standards? So Ignis Simonwise was like, why are all these babies dying? This is really weird. So back in the, I think it was the 1500s, he was working as a medical professional, as a quote unquote doctor. Might have been the 1600s, so don't quote me on the time. But he recognized at the time that the people who worked in the cadaver lab that delivered babies had a much higher infant mortality rate than if you didn't work in the cadaver lab before you delivered the babies. Because guess what they didn't do at that time? They didn't wash their hands. They didn't wash their hands. They didn't wash their hands. So they were... Playing creating with infant side by killing baby and then delivering babies. Yeah, they were playing with dead people and practicing as doctors in the cadaver lab and then delivering children right after without washing their hands in between. And there was no such thing as latex gloves; they didn't sure. exist. Yeah, wasn't even an option. Right. So he hypothesized that there was some sort of organism on your hands causing the death of these children. That was the hypothesis. Yeah. He couldn't see it. There was no microscope. Sure. Hadn't been invented yet. It was just a pure hypothesis. But guess what? He was chastised. He was oh, Jesus Christ. He was fried for his beliefs. Right. Said how horrible he was. But we think of him as the, you know, the bastion of hand washing now. Sure. And the person who brought soap and, <laughs> you know, hand sanitizer to the forefront, which didn't really exist at the time. But yeah. Wow. Because... Bunch of kids were being killed. Newborn babies were dying because these doctors weren't washing their hands. Like, to think about just in our lifetime. Well, mine. You're younger than me. You're what, 15, 16? Shut up. It's the same thing. So, (laughs) (laughs) youngsters, man. So, in my lifetime, I remember when doctors smoked in the hospital. Oh. Right? Okay. So, when I was a young kid, I'm 46. I was born in 76. So... When, at the time, like I remember my dad smoked a pack of Cools. And if he ran out of cigarettes, he would send me to the bar next door to our house. 
And with quarters, I would put quarters in the quarter machine and I'd pull a tab and it would drop a pack of cool. It was like a dollar fifty or something for a pack of smokes. And you put six quarters in, you pull the tab and you drop a pack of smokes yeah. and I'd run a home to my dad. Doctors had advertisements on magazines, Camel. Joe Camel was a figurehead as a kid. The Marlboro Man existed. All these things were advertisements today or at the time. And doctors were like, these are the best tasting cigarettes and these are the best for you. And it was like, there's ads. You can still see them go on YouTube, Google, whatever. Duck, duck, go pick your search engine, you know, (laughs) whatever it is. Google's now a verb, by the way. I'm going to Google that. Yeah, of course. So, you know, but you can go see them and it's hilarious because they're telling, California is telling me the science never changes. Oh. Ever. Hmm. Never changes. scary so now what other misinformation are they going to talk about like we can't say that there's only two genders hmm. i have to now agree that there's 65 fucking genders when there's only like x and y chromosomes that's another episode <laughs> right i'm just saying because of because if my kid was able to determine what he wanted to be at eight years old, I would have cut off his leg, pulled out an eye, put an eye patch on him. He'd have been a fucking pirate. But he doesn't want to be a pirate now. So I, I would have made a mistake when he was eight. Yeah. You see what I mean? Right. So science doesn't change. Right. And that's, that's that, that law is going to prosecute, supposedly. It passed the their Senate or whatever, the state Senate. And it's going to go to state law to get signed. What's going to happen if you make it so impossible for physicians and practitioners to practice? It's already expensive, right? So everyone's like, oh my God, doctors make so much money. Do you know that the cardiologists I know pay more in actual like insurance for malpractice insurance? They pay more than most people's annual salary by far. Right. Like people don't understand. These guys pay a ton of money. Guys and girls pay a ton of money in malpractice insurance. And why? Because if they make one mistake, it's a high-risk game, right? And you're talking high volume, and now you've sped up the time that you see the patient. So you make it even more risky. And these guys are now going to prosecute you for saying that COVID-19, maybe you shouldn't get the vaccine because it could cause cardiomegaly or cause you know, some cardiac issue in a pediatric patient because it can. Right. Or but that's devastating not the strokes consent. or anything like that, that it has. In young people, sudden, sudden cardiac death in athletes right. by the tens of hundreds, not thousands yet, but it's growing every day. Sure. And so now I can't, if I open in California, what's going to happen when all the fucking physicians leave California? What's going to, what are they going to do? Like, oh my God, we don't have any doctors here. And we'll gladly here. take their world-class physicians in Nevada. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Scripps, send all your yeah, people. Amazing. I love it. Cedar sinai come yeah, on Absolutely. Over. Yeah. I've worked with some Cedars-trained cardiologists, some smartest dudes I know. Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. Come here. Yeah, absolutely. We'll take you. Yeah, we'll build the Cedars here. Yeah. We'll build Cedar Squared. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it Cedar Squared. plenty of land. <laughs> There's plenty of desert land. Yeah. We'll take some from the government. Yeah. 
They've got enough. <laughs> We're not getting into that. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Tyler. You're welcome. Thanks for coming by. Love you always. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll come back as soon as I decide to do another one of these things because it takes forever. I'm just kidding. It doesn't take that long. <laughs> I just have a lot going on and I'm retarded. You've been listening to Medically Unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Medically Unbiased. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.